You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. So we're in the middle of the fourth chapter of Rosh Hashanah. We are veering between the question of the authority of the Bet Din and the question of the Tefillah and the Kavanah, how we carry out the Rosh Hashanah prayers and the intensity or the concentration with, with which we concentrate. And remember that we left the subject of the shofar blowing with the question of whether the hearer had the intention to fulfill the obligation. So we left the shofar blowing with a question of intention, and then we veered off into the authority of the Bet Din. Remember, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai decreed that the shofar should be blown on Shabbat in Yavne when, when Rosh Hashanah fell on Shabbat, just as it was blown in the temple when Rosh Hashanah fell on Shabbat. So Yavne, to that extent, was like the Beit Midash, was like the temple. And essentially was seeing that not only is Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai emphasizing his authority as the head of the Bet Din in Yavne, but he's also managing the transition between the, um, the Bey Mikdash and the Bey Knesset, between the temple and the synagogue. And as if to reinforce the question of Rabbi Yochan and Ben Zakai's authority, the Mishnah brings a series of examples of his use of his authority, which had nothing to do with Rosh Hashanah. So, Yesterday, we learned that in earlier times, Ulav was taken for seven days in the temple, in the provinces for one day only. And after the destruction, Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai decreed that it would be taken in the provinces for seven days. As we do now, we take the Ulav for seven days. And we pick up today in the fourth Mishnah of Rosh Hashanah, and we're going to have another example of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai's um, of his rulings. Originally, they used to accept testimony with regard to the new moon during the whole day. So in other words, during the whole day, this is now going to be the 30th day of the month. During the whole day, witnesses could show up. How did it work? Well, remember, we, we always keep, need to keep in mind that a lunar month is... Exactly 29 and a half days. So it's, it's exactly 29 and a half days. So a Jewish month can either be 29 or 30 days. Either 29 or 30 days. And so the 30th day, if you like, that's the swing day. If someone shows up on the 30th day and gives evidence, then we can make that day into the first day of the next month. If someone fails to show up on the 30th day, then that just becomes the 30th day of the old month. So the 30th day is the swing day. So when the Mishnah says, originally they used to accept testimony during the whole day, they mean during the whole of the 30th day. And of course, for the Levi'im in the Beit Mikdash and the Kohanim, of course, it's a problem because you have to bring the Musaf sacrifice on Rosh Chodesh, which you don't have to bring on an ordinary day. Mm-hmm. And there was one day 
when the witnesses were late coming. So they, they didn't understand that it was Rosh Chodesh until really late in the day. And the Levi'im sang the wrong song. We're not quite sure which one they sang wrong, whether it was the psalm of the day, which they got wrong. And they, maybe, maybe this is actually Rosh Hashanah. And they, they sang the wrong song for Rosh Hashanah. We're not quite sure. We suspect this is on Rosh Hashanah. So what happened? So they decreed that testimony should only be accepted until the Mincha time. So essentially until the Mincha time, we can still declare that 30th day to be the first of the next month. After the Mincha time, then it's, it's no good. That day is going to be the 30th day of the old month. How do we deal with that? And if they, if witnesses came after the mincha that day, then that day should be kept as holy and also the next day. Now we see why perhaps we're talking here about Rosh Hashanah, because we're talking about keeping two days holy. And okay, we know that Rosh Hashanah can be kept for two days, that's our custom. That day, holy and the next day, holy. That sounds almost as if we're talking about keeping three days of Rosh Hashanah, which is what we do today. And today, the custom is that the 20, Elul, it has 29 days. So the 30th day is the first day of Rosh Hashanah, but the second day of Rosh Hashanah, what would be the the like the thirty first day? So the next day. So we do keep we do keep both the thirtieth and the thirty first as Rosh Hashanah today. That's how we organize, and that seems to be a reflection of the practice in the temple. So that's what was happening until the destruction. Now we're going to have Rabbi Yochanan Zakai's Tikkun Mishacharavet Hamikdash. After the destruction of the temple, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai decreed the testimony should be received during the whole day. So again, he's moving the center of, he's moving the locus from the Migdash to Yavne, but he's reinforcing the fact that we are now in the world of the Beit Knesset, not of the Beit Migdash. We need to announce the new moon, but we don't need to make sacrifices so we're not constrained by the same physical constraints. And we're going to go on with the power and the status of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai. Rabbi Joshua ben Korcha, Rabbi Joshua ben Korcha said, the odds of Yikin Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai. And here's another decree that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai made. She afili rosh bet din before my home. Even if the head of the bed didn't was traveling all over the place. So maybe he's out on a business trip outside the Avenue visiting some, maybe he's inspecting some site. He's out there maybe visiting a mikveh or making other other arrangements. Even if he's off site, the witnesses should only have to go to the place of assembly, i.e. the witnesses will show up in Yavne, even though the head of the bed didn't is somewhere else. And we learned 
of course, in the previous Mishnayot, that the, the head of the Bedin stands up and says, Mukudash, Mukudash. The head of the Bedin and all the members of the Bedin stand up and say, Mukudash, Mukudash. But it seems that after the destruction of the temple, that was no, no longer necessary, that Bedin could decree the new month without the without Rabbi Yolot and Ben Zakai being in place. So the, that is the end of this string of examples, which outlined the power and the status of the Bet Din and of Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai as head of the Bet Din. The Mishnah is then now going to go and articulate the order of the Brathot, which we're going to have in the Musaf Amida. And it's incredibly interesting. We're learning from here, by the way, that Musaf Amida in Rosh Hashanah, on Rosh Hashanah now is very much as it was described in the Mishnah. Say the Brathot. The order of the brachot, this is the, and we'll see in a minute, we must be referring to the brachot of the Musaf Amidah. We say avot, which is the father's gururot, which I translated as powers, but it's gururot, it's, it's mechayam team, and kudushat shem, the, the mechamelech um, we, we say these three brachot. But, and the Malchuyot, the first of these ten verses that we say about God's kinship, is included in with the third bracha, Hamelech HaKadosh. And it kind of seems, it kind of seems logical to do it that way. And then, Kedusha Hayom Vetukeh, we, sorry, we include the kinship verses with Hamelech HaKadosh, but we don't like then we do the sanctification of the day, Kudu Yom, that's Makadesh Yisrael Behazmanim, Beyom Hazukaron. We sanctify the day and we blow. And then the Zikronot, the remembrance verses, and we blow. And then the Shufar blow verses and we blow. So there are three extra, three extra portions in the Musaf Amida, and for each one of them, we blow. And then we say the bracha of temple service. That's um, would say, and then we say That's Thanksgiving. Modim. Interestingly, what we think of as the bracha of shalom of peace, the Mishnah calls birkat kohanim the blessing of the of the priests. And then we say temple service and thanksgiving and a blessing of the priest. And all this is Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri. Yeah, Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri is a well-known sage of the generation of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. He's just a fraction before Rabbi Akiva. I would describe, he's a very, very poor man. I think he might be described in the Gemara as subsisting on a basket of carobs all year long. I think that's Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri. It's very poor, very pragmatic. Anyway, this is his view. Amarla Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva responded, Rabbi Akiva is not going to agree. And we've seen before in the Mishnah, Rabbi Akiva normally, his opinion normally wins out. Amar, and that's the halakha, by the way, that our practice, you'll recognize with Rabbi Akiva, our practice. Amarla Rabbi Akiva, he may not have If he doesn't blow the shofar for the kingship verses, why should he save them? So Rabbi Akiva's got a different method. Ela, Omer, Avot, Uvurot, 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 He's going to say the Avot, the 
the Gnilo, the Mephayamu team, he's going to say the sanctification of the name. The Kolel. The Kolel Machuyot in Kushot Hashem. The Kolel Machuyot in Kushot Hayom Vetokem. So Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi and Ben-Nuri mixes the Malchuyot with the Kedusha of God, Kedushat Hashem. Rabbi Akiva mixes Malchuyot with Kedushat Hayom, with the sanctification of the day. In other words, he brings the Malchuyot in with Mekadesh Yisrael, Mekadesh Yisrael, the Yom HaZikaron, who blesses Israel in the day of remembrance. Vetokem. And we blow. So we blow on Mahfuyot on the blessing of the day. Zichronot vetokem. That's Socher Abrid. Shofarot vetokem. We blow Shofarot vetokem. We, we say Shofarot and we blow. And then we say Abu Dhabi, Konim. And then we say the, the, um, the temple service and the thanksgiving and the blessing of the priests. So that's according to Rabbi Akiva. And we can recognize our practice in the practice of Rabbi Akiva. So what are these, what are these verses? We don't recite fewer than 10 kingship verses, 10 remembrance verses, and 10 sefar verses. The Gemara has a this, by the way, is parallel. The Gemara has a discussion about the number 10, which is parallel actually to its discussion of the number of 10 in public Torah reading. So the minimum number of verses that we can read when we read the Torah publicly, this is on Mondays and Thursdays and Shabbat afternoons, the minimum number of verses is 10. Just like the 10, Malfuyot, Zifonot, and Shofarot. And these 10 verses, according to the Gemara, stand variously for the 10 commandments or for the 10 words with which the the um, world was created, or for the 10 praises which King uh, David brings in Psalm 150. It, it's hard to know what they stand for, but they seem to stand in some way, if you like, for the whole of, I would say, for the whole of existence, for praise, for existence, for Torah. Rabbi um, Yochanan ben Nuri says, shalosh shalosh Remember, Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri is a pragmatist. So he says, look, if you just say three, you fulfill your obligation. And the Gomorrah here equates the three to the people of Israel, Kohanim, Levi'im, the Israelim. So the same kind of idea, these, these, these um, verses stand in some way for the whole of the people of Israel. And we can basically choose whatever verses we like. And in we have them now written out in our Mahzor, but in those days, the Chazan would choose verses that he liked. And he could actually choose anything he liked, but not verses of punishment. We're not going to, we would think, we remember with judge on Rosh Hashanah, but we're not going to mention verses of punishment. So we're going to begin with Torah and conclude with the prophets, which we do now. Rabbi Yossi, well, we nearly do. Rabbi Yossi Omer, when he shleem Torah yatsa, if he finishes with a verse from the Torah, then he's fulfilled the obligation. And that actually is our, our practice now, that we 
conclude, we, we nearly conclude with the prophets, and then we pop in a verse from the Torah in order to finish everything off. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.